0: Good morning. It's good to be with you again this morning. And we're taking up our Bible reading in the passage just following the passage that we were looking at uh, last Sunday morning. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and starting to read at verse 16 and we'll read down into the start of chapter 5. So it's 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. <clears throat> Paul has been uh, speaking in chapter 3 about the ministry that he has been given and uh, the the wonder of uh, seeing the Lord's reflection uh, in his own life and in the lives of others. And uh, he says at the start of chapter 4, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And then he speaks about having the treasure, this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God. We were thinking about that last Sunday. Then in verse 16, he says again, "'Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. Not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Amen. May God bless to us that reading from His Word. We'll be thinking mainly about the opening verses of that passage, but uh, uh, then going on just to look at one or two of the other aspects of it. But I want to tell you something this morning that you probably don't know. Did you know that we are all growing older? Did you know that? <laughs> I'm sure you did. And I was thinking as the kids went out, you know, even the, the newest infants in their mother's arms, are growing older every day. Not as old as some of us, but they are growing older. We're all growing older all the time. And we are living longer. Well, I should maybe qualify that. On average, we are living longer than our our previous uh, generations lived. And these days, we're faced with an army of people uh, engaged in the battle against old age, personal trainers, beauticians, dieticians, even morticians who, although they can't actually keep us alive, somehow manage, at least in the States, to make us look better dead than we ever did when we were living. I was thinking about that last week when I saw the eclipse of uh, Aretha Franklin's funeral and uh, her lying in state. Uh, There she is, uh, dressed all in red, very significant colour for her, with red lipstick, uh, we're told, and red nail varnish, and her red Louboutin stilettos, with her legs crossed at the ankles in very delightful repose on beautiful white Cushions in a gold-plated coffin. Well, that's really living, isn't it? (laughs) I'm reminded of the story of an old Afro-American standing by the roadside as a funeral, not unlike that past uh, big uh, fancy Cadillac gold-plated coffin, the most expensive flowers everywhere, and he turned to his old mate beside him and said, man, that's really living. (laughs) And it may or may not be. But most of us, and rightly so, try to ward off uh, the effects of old age as long as we possibly can. Uh, I, I remember being a bit hurt a number of years ago when my granddaughter gave me a book at Christmas entitled, grumpy old men. I don't know what she meant by that, and the fact that she was actually just six months old at the time (laughs) made me think that probably her mother had something to do with it. But yeah, the most interesting thing to me was that in that little book, the age of grumpiness is defined as 35 to 54. So, how many of you are in that bracket? The age of grumpiness, 35 to 54. Many of us here have passed uh, that limit and we have moved into mellowed seniority. I didn't say senility, I said seniority, and uh, that's a good place to be if we can get there. Uh, Someone has said, if the truth be told, it's not having uh, grandchildren that make a man feel old. It's the knowledge that he's married to a grandmother. That's what does it. Anyway, as far as the Bible is concerned, it's worth remembering that many of the men and women God used were actually in the second half of their lives rather than the first half. There's possibly nothing that makes us feel that we're beginning to grow old as much as the feeling that the burdens we have to bear and the battles we have to fight are getting beyond our strength. We're just not able for these things anymore. And Paul experienced that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, at the beginning of this letter, in verse 8. He says this, he says, "'We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, "'about the hardships we suffered in Asia. "'We were under great pressure.' far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. That's where he had got to at that point. He was really at the end of things as far as he was concerned uh, at that time. And so we want to notice, first of all, the fact that he accepts outwardly, he says in verse 16 of our passage, outwardly we are wasting away. That is a simple fact. Physically, this body of ours is not going to last forever. We know that. In fact, the truth is, it does remarkably well to last as long as it does, considering the treatment that it gets from some of us uh, from time to time. And it lasts so well, uh, we're told, because it has its own inbuilt replacement and repair service. I read somewhere that the human body completely renews itself every seven years. Now, I'll leave you to work out which body uh, you're in, if it's been replaced every seven years. I think that's a bit of a myth, actually. We know, of course, that the cells of the body are constantly replacing themselves at different rates in different parts of the body. Um, I'm told that it's only in the brain that some of the cells do not replace themselves, and so uh, the brain uh, doesn't work as well in later years as it used to. But uh, the body is constantly renewing itself. However, there does come a time when even this body, with all the wonders of its creation, uh, this body begins to run out of spares, And the doctor tells us, well, it's just old age. Have you you had that, some of you, from the doc? It's just old age. There's not much we can do about it. Our eyesight's not so good. Our hearing's not so good. Our balance is not so good. And we don't have as much energy. Am I just speaking for myself here, or do others of you know that experience? In Paul's case, all of this had been accelerated by the hardship that he had endured in the service of Christ. But that was something that he was prepared to accept. He doesn't live and work as if he's going to do it forever. He knows that he's only here for a comparatively short space of time. So that's what he says. The outward nature is wasting away. His body is growing old. That is a fact. He accepts, and so should you and I. But there's also here the truth that he asserts, still in verse 16, inwardly he says, we are being renewed day by day. So while all that about the outward nature is true, it was not the whole truth, says Paul, because the inner nature, the real spiritual person, is being renewed every day. In other words, while Paul was physically getting weaker, that's a fact of life as we get older. Spiritually, he was getting stronger. And that is a truth of God. And we need to be encouraged by that. And I think about uh, Caleb as I say that. You remember, Caleb was one of the spies sent out by Moses to spy out the promised land. He and Joshua came back with a very positive report, confident that with God's help they could take the land. But they were seriously outnumbered by the ten other spies who spread negativity and fear and uncertainty amongst the people of God. Well, Numbers Chapter 14 and verse 24 gives God's verdict on Caleb. God says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land. He was going to be one of the very few who got in, of that generation, who got in to the promised land. Because he had a different spirit, from the people around him. fact is, it's easy as we get older to become negative and cynical and disillusioned. Maybe we've been disappointed with some aspects of our life. Maybe we have unfulfilled dreams. Maybe we, there are things that we would have wanted to do, hoped to do, but we've never actually managed to do it. And we can become negative and cranky. Yes, grumpy old men and grumpy old women as well. Very easy for that to happen. But Caleb had a different spirit. And when the time came to go into the land, the promised land, he exhibited that different spirit very strongly He says to Joshua, here I am today, 85 years old, as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Maybe that was a wee bit wishful thinking on Caleb's part. (laughs) He undoubtedly was not as strong physically at 85 as he had been at 40 or 45. Maybe a wee bit wishful thinking. But the next bit of what he says is absolutely true. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. And here's the key to it all. The Lord helping me, I will drive the giants out, the Anakim. I will drive them out with the Lord's help. He had a different spirit, Caleb. And that's the spirit we want to have in old age. That's what ought to mark us out as Christians all through our life, of course, and certainly in our later years. We don't need to be afraid of the future because if we're allowing ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit of God, then the real me, the spiritual man, is getting stronger day by day. Therefore, says Paul, we do not lose heart. So when you're beginning to feel the aches and pains of the old body, do not lose heart because spiritually you are being renewed every day. The Lord is preparing you for something even better. Roy Clements, in one of his books, says, I don't care how old you are or how weak you feel, if you are a Christian, then the resurrection life of Jesus is glowing inside you. Think about that. The life of Jesus, the risen life of Jesus is glowing inside you, radiating the energy of the world to come bringing something of heaven to earth. That's what we ought to be doing as Christian men and women, whatever age we are, bringing something of heaven to earth while we're here. And that's why Christians needn't have problems about growing older. The problem about getting older for most people is that life becomes more and more restricted. We're not able to do what we once could if the important things of life for us have all had to do with the here and now, with the outer nature, as it were, then gradually, of course, these things drop away. It's a problem that many people have with retirement, actually, because so much of what was their life at work, a big part of their life, a huge part of their life, suddenly it's gone. It has dropped away. And while you might look forward to that thing, wow, it's going to be wonderful to be retired. Actually, many people discover it's not as wonderful as they thought it was going to be because so much has fallen out of their lives. If we're living for the here and now, if we're living for our work, or, or even for our friends and our social life and our recreational life. If that's what we're living for, that will reduce for sure. But there's something else going on. You're being renewed day by day by the Spirit of God. The Christian lives with a different spirit. The approach of old age begins to throw our life into a true perspective and a proper evaluation. The unseen things, the spiritual things which have occupied our mind and heart through our Christian life, these things are found to be not temporary, not going to fall away, but are actually eternal, going to become more and more glorious. And although we don't get any younger. We don't need to stop growing in the things of the Spirit, in our experience of God's ways, in our knowledge of God's Word, and in our conformity to God's will. That's a tremendous truth, which Paul is asserting with vigor. So we do not lose heart, he says. And I want to say that to you this morning. Do not lose heart as you are growing older. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. As Paul is encouraging himself and encouraging us by this thought. The truth he asserts is underlined, thirdly, because of the prospect that he anticipates he says this remarkable verse 17, our troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Notice he describes the troubles as light and momentary troubles. Do you remember what some of them were for Paul? I've been in prison, he says. I've been flogged. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, In danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Light and momentary troubles. I don't think so, but that's how he describes them. Because these are the light and momentary troubles which cannot be compared to the eternal glory. In fact, and we don't quite get this in our English translations, not in the NIV, in fact, Paul piles up the superlatives as he's saying this and describes it as an excessively surpassing eternal weight of glory. Excessively surpassing eternal weight of glory. What a prospect that is when we allow ourselves to think about it. And this prospect of glory, of being at home with the Lord, which is how he puts it in verse 8 of chapter 5, this prospect means that the Christian's whole concern, whether here or there, is that our life should be pleasing to the Lord. So, that's what Paul says, we make it our goal, we make it our aim to please Him. That's Paul's attitude in life and also in death, because for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, it's a prospect he anticipates with keen delight. And that's another thing that should mark out a Christian in old age. We have no need to be continually looking back to what has been when we can look forward to such a prospect for the remainder of this life and for the life to come. And we can do that with absolute assurance. We know, says Paul, in verse 1 of chapter 5, we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. How do we know that? Because God says so. That's how we know it. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's how he put it. In glory, a place prepared for you. And a new body, ready for you. So, knowing that, we ought to be able to grow old gracefully. Now, I don't want to suggest that this is being so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly use. That's not what Paul is talking about at all. He's talking about living in the realities of the present with the assurance of a glorious future. It means taking our place in society as responsible citizens with a concern for our neighbors and for our environment, but knowing that this life is not all that there is to live for. In fact, Paul says, what is mortal, that is life here on earth, will be swallowed up by life Not by death, but by life, by the real life to come. That's what he says in uh, chapter 5 and verse 4. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And not only that, but right now, he says, we have been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. There it is a believer, the Holy Spirit is given to you as your guarantee, your deposit, not only to help you live the Christian life here on earth, but to be ready for the life to come. I like the way the message translation paraphrases uh, these verses in chapter 5. Let me Let me read it as we finish. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we will never settle for less. That's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do regardless Of our conditions. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do, regardless of our conditions. May God help each one of us, whatever age we may be, to do just that, to live to cheerfully please God, whatever the conditions we are in or around us and to do it for his glory. Let's pray.